0: Uh, so my favorite part of my faith is is being able to have a place, a safe place, for me to worship, to pray freely. Okay, so where I can express to my God without worrying about about uh, being shot or being like something happens. Wow. So that's that's my faith. freedom in one word. So that's my favorite. Look, I I feel like there is no reason why I shouldn't I shouldn't pray. God while I'm in America today. Uh, There's no reason why I should be not close to God um, while I'm in America because I'm free. I have freedom, I have peace, I have everything.
1: I know that you hear within each of the episodes that I talk about how you can email us, contact at theculturalhall.com, and how that helps us be able to uh, get great guests here. And, then, and that's true. And this episode is one for sure that we would not have done uh, had we not had that great guest suggestion. And I can talk about that within the episode. Uh, but, but what does that mean to me that you would take a moment and email? It means the world to me. I, uh, it, it lets me know that you listen. It also what I really appreciate, it lets me know of blind spots that we aren't covering here in the cultural hall. When you send a, a guest suggestion of someone that we haven't had on or haven't had on in a while or a topic that we haven't discussed, it helps me stop and think and go, oh, oh, yeah, you know what? I need to. I need to do that. I want this to be a place for everyone, uh, about everyone, by everyone. I don't know. Maybe that's too grand of a thing, but I really like being able to hear from you, get your guest suggestions. And then there's a particular part of accomplishment for me when I actually get those guest suggestions to come into the hall. So do that contact at theculturalhall.com and enjoy this episode of The Cultural Hall. Give us land if they live righteously. It's time for another episode of the Cultural Hall, and uh, really, really excited to have Leonard Bagalwa here in the studio with me today. And uh, this episode uh, comes as a suggestion from a Patreon saint of the Cultural Hall, Jenny, who said, you know what, you need to get Leonard uh, on uh, and be able to talk to him. Now, if you don't know who Leonard is, you hear that name and you go, well, m- maybe that sounds familiar, but but maybe you don't have any idea who he is. Uh, Leonard is a refugee from the Democratic Republic of Congo and the executive director of Utah Valley Refugees. And it's something we haven't talked nearly enough about here in the cultural hall. So thank you, Leonard, not only for being here, but for being up so early to be here with me.
0: Thank you for having me, Richie. Yeah. I do appreciate it.
1: I would love to know uh, your story, your, how, how you came to the United States, what uh, refugee means to you, what, you know, the, just give me that whole thing. It's something we don't talk nearly enough about.
0: Sure. Yes. Uh, as you already said, I'm from the Democratic Republic of Congo. And I left um, in Congo in 1997 uh, when I was um, 17 years old. So I left because um, I was kidnapped and used as a, ch- a child soldier. And uh, the, so I escaped and um, my mother with the Catholic Church help, they smuggled me out of the country and I found myself in um, the refugee camp in Malawi. And then in Malawi, I went to um, Zimbabwe refugee camp and I came to the United States in, nine, in 2004. So that's how I escaped. Yeah. So, <laughs>
1: but there, but there is obviously a lot more to that story uh, yeah. than just the. You know, I went there, and then I went here, and then I came here, and now everything is great.
0: Yes. Yes. Yeah. There is more story. So, um, if you know, in 1994, in 1994, the genocide in Rwanda. So we received refugees uh, to Congo, and the government of Rwanda decided to follow. Uh, Them in Congo and the end by being successful to change the regime with the support of uh, Laurent Kabila at the time so so when the rebel came in in my country, so they no one supported them and uh, They start uh, kidnapping children to join them and 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 follow them to and and go fight for them so when um, I was kidnapped I was coming from school and uh, i was taken to the um training military camp in the island of idri and uh, when i was um i was over there so i was trained to uh to go back and fight but because i was too young and small uh, at the (laughs) at the time so i couldn't carry guns and shoot because i really had guns and uh so when uh, uh when, because people who were mostly not um, following the rules in the training, in the military training camp, so they were m- mm. mostly killed. But mm. for me, I was instead uh, told, I um, uh, was a lucky one, I guess Heavenly Father uh, w- talked to them and whispered to them, like, don't kill him. He, they say, like, hey, he's a smart guy. Instead of killing him, let's use him to be a spy. So after six months training me to be a spy, so they told us to go back and and go now do the work in the town, and uh, we went when we went at the dock the other side of the wall and uh, the lake uh, Lake Kivu, so the military decided to leave us at the dock to go get the uh, something to drink, so when I was sitting over there, I had a voice telling me Leonard, run, 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 and was very strong voice. So I just stood up and ran, and I didn't know where I was going. So I found myself in the bush. So in the bush over there where I um, met pygmies and pygmies uh, gave me food and helped me how to get back home. So when I went home, uh, I, I walked like, uh, uh, five days to go back home. So when I got home, I knocked on the door and my mother opened the door. When she saw me, she slapped the door back three times and I yelled Mom, mother this is your son and she opened the door and I went in. she's like you cannot stay here Leonard I'm like why I just walk five days to come home so why can't I stay here and uh, she was like well because your two brothers are in the morgue mm-hmm. so they just killed them yesterday and I was like what happened it's like yeah they can the rebels came to look for looking for you here and your two brothers, I uh, tried to confront them that they killed you, and they're trying to um, uh, to uh, cover up the story. And then they just killed them. They just kill. They just killed them. And uh, and that's how they shot them. And that's how they are in the morgue. And I cannot afford to see you die again. Yeah. And uh, my mother, the the spirit told her to just take me to the Catholic church without any planification. She took she, my mother is a is a is a, is a Pentecostal, but, but, and the Pentecostal church was closer than the, the Catholic church, but she quickly took me to the Catholic church. And when, when we the compound, the Catholic church compound where the priest live, they are like, yeah, we already know about this story. And this guy is dangerous. He cannot stay here. Huh. So, so they told me sit over there, sit over there. Like within a minute, another person, another pri- pri- priest came in and just put me in the back of the, their car. And, uh, smuggled me to another town called Uvira and then Uvira they took the boat for me to, to the lake Tanganyika and I found myself in a uh, uh, in, in, in Tanzania and in Tanzania where I went to the refugee camp in Malawi. So I'm just telling the story, but uh, I'm talking about um, a story of of month here uh, yeah. like uh, of, of walking and and uh, and driving. so imagine, uh someone who uh, left Congo and Malawi. Those are almost uh four different countries in between. And uh, and I didn't have any passport. So I have to walk, I have to take buses and uh, so where I, I, I passed through a lot. A lot of things. Up over there, horrible things happened, especially at the border of Malawi and, and, and Zimbabwe and uh and and uh, and Tanzania. So a lot of things happened, and um, we are on the radio. Of course, <laughs> we don't have much time to yeah. to, to, to do that. But uh, I just want to give you a little bit brief uh, of uh, uh, of me. So miracles happened to my in my life, and I think our heavenly Father was trying to guide me and tell me, "Hey, uh, you have a calling. You have a mission to do, and uh, that's why I'm here today, and that's what I'm doing."
1: So I'm 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 just fascinated because. Man, what what a, a, a tragic, horrible—I mean, let, let's just recap some of this. You were kidnapped, forced into military, then you escape and find out that a couple of your brothers, uh, uh, essentially uh, not on your behalf, but because you had escaped, were killed. Then you had to be smuggled, so you weren't able to keep in contact with your family, yeah. and that's in the span of a month. Yep. Yep.
0: Yeah, that's months we're talking about. So, but, but that's what I always say is when I even talk to my mother and ask her, like, what, what really prompted you to take me to the Catholic? Why not? Uh, things like do other stuff, mm-hmm. other things. And, and she said, that's what our Heavenly Father wanted. Hmm. And, uh, and for me, myself, like even leaving the military camp from not being killed uh, to go home also was another miracle. So like miracle to miracles happened to me. And that's why I always believe that everything that happened to me is not something was planned. That's our heavenly father planned this even before I was born. And he knew that, that what I will be doing. He knew how I will do it. And that's why maybe he wanted me to go through all these things so that I can learn more. And how to be more, uh, how to be more wise, and and learn how to help other people.
1: Talk about your religious upbringing, like when you were a young kid before anything with being kidnapped, anything like that. Was was your home a place where the the scriptures were taught, where you would go to church every Sunday? What was that like?
0: Yes, yeah, um, I was born in a, a heavily uh, uh, Pentecostal uh, we Protestant. My mother, she's. Uh, a really true believer uh, of Jesus Christ, and uh, in her faith, my grandmother was a uh, a, uh, a Catholic, and then uh, my father, who's now not a believer of anything, so he was just in his own world. But he understood the importance of his children going to church, even if he wasn't going to church. So um, yes, I grew up. My mother she taught us, and uh, she strongly uh, encouraged us to be going to church, and we were going to church in uh, the Pentecostal Church, and I was a singer. I used to sing in the choir. Oh, really? And, uh, yeah, as a child, I sang, I sang in the choir, and uh, so, yeah, that's uh, that's uh, how I grew up all my childhood, going to church. And knowing, is,
1: yeah. is much of the Democratic Republic of Congo, is it pretty religious, or...?
0: Yes, Democratic Republic of Congo is is religious, uh, mainly Catholic and uh, Protestant. Uh And there's other small, small sect, but uh, they are mostly like Pentecostals and Catholic.
1: So I want to ask a little bit more. Uh, You mentioned that you had been kidnapped, you were being trained, and then you get this distinct uh, prompting by the Holy Ghost or by, you know, God or Heavenly Father that's like, get out! Mm -hmm. Had you ever had an experience where you felt... Uh, so led so um, you know that that obviously led prior to that experience
0: yes Uh, prior to that experience uh, no but I remember when I was a child I used to pray a lot and ask for Heavenly Father to help me uh, be someone in in my life and uh, my mother used to tell us like um, we must know that one day you guys will be uh, ministers, you guys will be white. You guys will be. So that means it doesn't mean I will change my skin to be white It means that I will be rich one mm. day and, and, uh, I will, and we will be the one who will wipe my mother's tears with mm. all the sacrifice she made on us. And, uh, she used to tell us that, um, you must know that everywhere you guys, you never live with me forever. You will go somewhere else and people you will meet over there will be your father, will be your mother, will be everything for you. And with I did not understand what that really meant until I left home. So if I am alive today, is because of those prompting. So mm-hmm. I did not get prompting prior to when I was kidnapped, but I got a lot of prompting after I was kidnapped. So when I was told to run, I ran. Mm-hmm. And then when I went to the border of Malawi and Zimbabwe, uh, uh, and uh, Tanzania, so in the bush there this guy who came and started beating us for like crazy and we were bleeding and laying down because oh. I was with another guy called Christian and uh, oh. and uh, I heard a voice telling me, a strong voice telling me again, hey Leonard, you need to go back to the road because if you are not on the road, so you guys are gonna die here and if you die here, your body will not be seen by anyone but if you die at the road, the, your body will be seen so i went to there i told christian let's go to the road christian said no your decision is making me it's putting me in trouble so i'm not going to do that so you need to uh and i went to the road when i went to the road i felt a strong strong voice again telling me leonard go get christian mm-hmm. so i went back and i yelled very yelling very, very, very loud and like christian get out of here let's go when christian heard that he stood up and he followed me Within a minute at the road, a white, a white car came in and I came close to him and I left, I raised my hand, and the guy who opened the door. It's like, Who are you? Because we, we were unclosed. Un- because mm-hmm. they beat us and they tear, tear off the clothes in the, all of in the your bush. Clothes. All the clothes in oh, the goodness. bush. my Yeah. Oh, my goodness. So. So when the, the driver stood up and is like, are you guys a human? And we we're like, yes, we are human. And this is what happened to us. Oh. So the guy said, oh, okay, I will, what can I do? I was like, we were going to the refugee camp in Malawi. He's like, I know where the refugee camp is. I will take you over there. Wow. So he took us to the refugee camp in Malawi um, uh, after driving free of charge. And then he only left me w- w- with a Bible. Hmm. That's how I knew he was uh, actually a pastor. So I didn't uh, know he was a pastor. He left us with, with a Bible in the refugee camp, and uh, the Bible, I start reading it, and uh, another miracle happened in the refugee camp. Where one day I was wak- walking, um, and I had a voice because I was waking up every morning, four a.m. to run and uh, uh, like to kind of get the stress in that refugee camp. So. I had a voice telling me, like, I just had this voice calling me. It's a Mirindi, I'm like, who knows me by my name? Mir- by the, Mirindi is my middle name. Oh, okay. So who knows me by this name here? <laughs> yeah. And uh, I keep looking back, and it's foggy morning in Malawi, and, uh, and the guy came close to me. He's like, my name is Pascal. I'm like, I don't know who's Pascal in my life. And he's like, you remember? Yes, we were refugees from Rwanda. And your mother took us in the, in the ha, in in your house because we were in the refugee camp. And your wow. ma, my my father used to be a pastor. And I'm like, oh really? I thought you guys died in the war in 1996. And they say like, you know, we all survived. And my and I'm like, how did your dad know? I'm here. He's like, my dad is in charge of this refugee camp. Hmm. And I was like, are you serious? He's hmm. like, yes. And my father want to see you, so I went to see his father and his mother, all his family. They were happy. And the guy ask me one question i can tell me how i can help you i can help you to get i can help you in two ways i can give you a job or i can get you out of this refugee camp so when i had get me out of the refugee camp i yeah. thought something big is coming and i'm like get me out of this refugee camp please he's like okay go pack your stuff the next time he put me in the bus i was in the refugee camp in zimbabwe which the refugee camp was a little bit better huh. than the refugee camp in malawi so that's how i was lucky And from Zimbabwe, I end by coming to the United States.
1: Let's take a break, real quick. And when we uh, come back, I want to pick it up right there when you make it here to the United States and what that was like. We'll come back and do that in the second block of the Cultural Hall. If you've ever thought about starting a podcast and, well, you just don't know what to do, I would encourage you to reach out to me. Now, I am at Richie T. Stedman on all the social medias. You can find and follow me there. Uh, You can also send me an email, richietstedman at gmail.com, if you'd like to know more about what uh, I do as far as being a podcast coach and consultant. But let me just say this. May I say this? Almost 600 episodes under my belt. I could certainly be able to help you. Now, let me say this as well. I know a lot of you are thinking, well, listen, I, yeah, I don't know that I'm ever going to get thousands of followers. Here's the best part about podcasts. Sometimes they can just be for fun. Other times they can be for really small niche audiences and you can make a truck ton of money. We can talk about it, how you could do it, if you would like. You can reach out to me at Richie T. Stedman, wherever you find me, or certainly if you send me a message at the Cultural Hall, I'll be able to answer it there as well. Have you, have you considered starting a podcast? Reach out to me. Hi, friends. Dan, the Laptop Man here from PC Laptops with breaking news. Windows 11 is now here. It's fast and it's beautiful. So let's make sure your computer's ready to run it. Bring your PC into any PC laptops right now at PCLaptops.com. PCLaptops.com. Here in the second block of the Cultural Hall, remember you can always email us contact at theculturalhall.com. Uh, if you have a great suggestion of an episode, we would love to hear it. Contact at com. especially if you have a connection to that guest that you think would be great. Again, a huge shout out to Jenny for giving us this suggestion of having Leonard here. So you... You get to uh, the refugee camp in Zimbabwe, which allows you the opportunity to come here to the United States. And uh, you'll forgive my ignorance. I don't know how it works. Uh, like if you're if you're a refugee and you come to the United States, do you get to pick where you go or do they say you're going here and, and good luck or how, how, what is that process like?
0: Yeah, no, I, I don't think you uh, you have a choice to pick. So we, we, we don't, and I don't remember me being asked uh, anything like that. And uh, I might not be, uh, this may not be the hundred uh, percent correct information. But what I know is, once you are put on the list, and uh, the the, in the United States have a non-resettlement agency, so and so each agency they already know what numbers of people that can. That can come to the United States. They will get, and uh, so when I came here, so I was ju- I wasn't know where I was going. So I was just told to come, and uh, that's how I came. So what I know is there is a, a waiting list uh, for the once you are on the list of people who are gonna be resettled uh, to the United States and once your name goes to that list there there is other there's agencies like the United States uh, uh, security agencies like service security service agencies that are like FBI CIA mm-hmm. so your name will go to them and they will try to vet there's a, like a, a 36 month uh, like 3 years of waiting on that list so after they vet to make sure you are a safe person and uh you don't have you don't want to cause issue to the united states uh government Mm -hmm. so then from there when they when uh, when you are on that list is a time when they all the voting is finished that's the time they tell you okay you are ready to book and go to the united States. uh so there is no like i don't think there is a place they will tell you that um or you need to choose where you go, but where also I know that they kind of see like where most Congolese people are doing well, so where you can go, and that's where you can um, you, you you can be. But I don't think they will just tell you to pick; otherwise, everyone will be picking to come to the United States. Sure, yeah, sure. Yeah.
1: So, uh, so then, wh- where did when you first came to the United States? Where did you come?
0: So I came to the United States, and I came to Salt Lake City, Utah. And then uh, Salt City uh, for me was too big for me, and I was looking (laughs) for a small place. Yeah, imagine, imagine. Like someone were born in the village in the third world country. Mm -hmm. Uh, You don't know how to do all these things, how even to switch the light. I never done that myself. Oh, wow. So, and- uh, Was it scary? Oh, very scary. Very scary, even uh, more than even scary. I don't know the word to use, but, um, so sometimes they will just, you know, like, put you inside over there, this is your apartment, this is everything and and uh, they bring the stone, you don't know if it's a bomb or a stove, or you don't know if it's a bomb or something. So I'm, I'm scared of even cooking uh-huh. on it. And uh, like uh, the hard things was for me, like when I organized the bathroom. When I was back home, you have to walk miles in the bush to go uh, to go in the bathroom. Uh-huh. Yeah, you have to open your door, and uh, it's like, is this a magic or something? <laughs> so yeah. uh, just flashing and, and things like that. So it is a, uh, it is hard. It's a culture shocking. It's a culture shock. Right?
1: What, what kind of things do they hear? have, uh, what kind of services do they have to help adapt people? Because I, I have to imagine that they don't just say, or at least I hope they don't, that they don't just go, here, good luck, call us if you need anything. Do they have people that walk alongside you or agencies that work with you? or What is that like?
0: Yes, the resettlement agency do well in uh, uh, culture orientation and, and things, so they do a good job about that. And uh, here in Utah, we have those two agencies, Catholic Community Services and uh, International Rescue Committee, and they do a good job uh, by uh, orienting people So where the things becomes hard is because they are overwhelmed. They have Mm -hmm. a lot of people because they can help them certain period of time. Uh, At the time was eight months. Now it's more like two years. They can go up to two years. So things are improving uh, that way. So it was hard. And then after eight years, they leave you, you go on your own. And so it is hard. So uh, like for us, like who came as a single and young, is even better than people who are coming with family because when they come with family, uh, they're gonna just tell you to go start looking for a job, work and, and things and, and it kind of creating other problems because when they a woman uh, in some culture they were trying to just be at home and, 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 and help family and children and, and, and things. Mm-hmm. So now they're gonna tell the husband and the wife to go to go work. And then when the husband and wife come home, they are all tired. Who's gonna cook? And the woman, a man, never been trained on cooking, and so it becomes another problem in the yeah. house, causing more divorces and stuff. So, is is an issue that we can tackle. But however, in general, the agencies are doing a good job in orienting people, telling them what uh, like about talking to them about culture in the, in the United States. Uh, laws and uh, like how they can survive here and things like that, and also teaching English, and that's what um, is really kind of uh, helping people. But it's still hard. Imagine yourself coming in the country where you don't speak the language, yeah. and they tell you to go feed yourself and feed your family. Yeah. It is not easy things. And uh, in the United States, the culture have uh, taught us that in order to be successful, you need to speak the language mm-hmm. so there's no job and uh, you can do and some of these people are even educated and in from their own country but because they don't speak the language so they end by doing uh, custodial jobs and uh, and things like that so it is not enough for them to feed their children and live on the uh, life uh, standard like how you know, paying the uh, rent, food, and everything, so it's not enough for them to.
1: H- how old were you when you made it to Salt Lake? I was 24 years old. And did you
0: speak any English? No. None. Zero. No. None. Zero. Oh. Yes, I learned English on my own, so I never have finished high school, but I have a master's degree today.
1: Wow. So, so, H- how know, did that happen?
0: That's well, that's, uh, that's, that's uh, a big difference. Is another miracle, and that's what we're gonna talk about. Is uh, when. Uh, when I was looking for a small place uh-huh. to live because Solexia was big, so yeah. I ended by moving to person, Uh with the help of a friend of mine who was from Mali. He was in the army. He told me, yeah, this Person is a little bit uh, small place. Maybe you like up over there. So I went over there in person and, and then I ended by moving back to Provo because I, I got a job at... Um, uh, here at uh, um, Provo, I'm in mean a Provo library, like I'm in mean a Provo cemetery uh, okay. where I was cleaning. And then, uh, my shift was at midnight. And oh. um, I ended by quitting that job and I didn't have any savings and I become homeless oh. at Provo library. And uh, when I become homeless at Provo library, I, um, one night again, I had another voice. That's why miracle happens to me. A miracle, a miracle, 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 miracle. And I heard a voice telling me that, hey, Leonard, that's not why you came to the United States. Huh. Ask for help. If you do not ask, no one will help you. No one will know what your problem is. Just ask for help. This was uh, l- like Saturday. And then uh, in the morning, I just saw a white car like parking the back of the library. That's the time they were renovating the Provo Library. If you are from Utah, you may know mm-hmm. when that happened. And then... Uh, so when I saw the car parking in the back of the library early in the morning, so I followed the car, followed people came out of the car, following them cautiously because I, I don't know them and I don't want to be close to them oh, quickly. I, I don't know what they have, a gun or something. Yeah. So cautiously and with my broken English, I yelled, like, I need help. And they said, oh, yeah, we can help you. Uh, no, the, 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 the woman said, like, hey, uh, honey, this man, he's yelling, he need help. Can we help him? And then the man stood up and said, like, "Come here, young man. What? Do you, how can we help you?" Hmm. And I'm like, "Hey, I'm from. I'm a refugee from the Democratic Republic of Congo, and I am. Um, uh, I'm a homeless here, and uh, I need help." And they're like, "Oh, we are in a hurry. Here's our phone number, contact information. So call us. We will uh, see how we can help you." So they weren't a fo- The library was closed on Sunday, so they weren't uh, a phone to use uh, because I didn't have a cell phone. Mm-hmm. So I uh, went to the library on Monday morning and I called and they're like, yeah, yeah, we were thinking about you, how we can help you. And you still up over there, you're still homeless. I'm like, yes, I'm still homeless. And they're like, can you come and live with us? And I said, Yes, <laughs> yes, uh, and uh, that's how I went to live with them in South Jordan, and uh, I lived with them for one year. They taught me a lot of things, how to milk cows, because uh, they wow. were farmers, and uh, how to do a lot of stuff in the farming uh, area and stuff, and then a year later, I moved back to Orem, and that's how I ended by going to Utah Valley University, Utah, as at the time, Utah uh, Valley State College, and now I graduated when I was already U.V. I got my bachelor's degree in uh, public health, and... And then I went back later on uh, and I got my master's in business administration. Wow. So that's how I ended up going to school. Miracle. Just,
1: just by following the promptings and asking and then these amazing people that took you in are you still in contact with those people
0: yes i am i still even have the key for my own bedroom up over there <laughs> i can't go over there now i'm married so <laughs> yeah,
1: tell me a little bit about what your life is like now obviously you mentioned you have a master's degree and uh, a wife uh, you're married so family as well
0: yes i have family i i, I have four children and expecting one more so congratulations that's that's, uh, we 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 are uh, three girls, one boy, and we are blessed with that. And I have a job. So that's what probably I would like to talk about is yeah. about how what I do and uh, like yeah. if you still have a time. And,
1: yeah, and, of course. Yeah. So so you are the founder and executive director of Utah Valley Refugees. I'd love to know what that organization is. Yes,
0: sure. So Utah Valley Refugees is a very young organization started in 2016 with a mission to empower refugees in their quest to become health-reliant, uh, sufficient. So we... Uh, we we focus mainly on uh, four main areas. We help uh, refugees uh, with housing, and we help them uh, get educated. And like uh, we teach English classes um, at uh, the office here in Provo,
1: mm-hmm.
0: and we also uh, teach. Um, we also those who want to go to college, we help them get into uh, Utah Valley University, as well as BYU. Ryan right now we have only one student at BYU. And we help with tuition and uh, all the things, especially hmm. those who are a young one. So we also focus on youth, uh, those who are like uh, going to uh, elementary school and those who are younger. Um, we focus on them by tutoring them and giving them services they might need in order to be successful. Because we understand the challenge, the English is not spoken in- in-house and uh, parents not educated enough to, to know, to understand the system, how it works and supporting their children, so we become their support, even if we don't live with them, but we become their support. So we also do the, um, so we also help with uh, healthcare, mm-hmm. which we partner with um, multiple doctors in the Valley to give, uh, uh, to donate their time to give free care to those uninsured refugees uh, and things like that. So. We also uh, focus on a uh, um, uh, lot of different things, like we have programs that we connect refugees to community, like for integration and uh, and, and things like that. So we, we do a lot of uh, things up over there. So why this organization started? So if you remember, in Utah County, before 2016, we didn't have a refugee agency. Mm -hmm. So when I graduated, I went back to Salt Lake City to help refugees, and that's where I was working, to help refugees uh, in my own field, medical care and and things like that. Mm -hmm. Doing case case management over there, I found out that the problem refugees uh, are having today was the same problem I had. And I kind of used my own personal experience Mm -hmm. to start uh, Utah Valley Refugees, because when I was always going to work, come back, I'm stressed, Mm -hmm. and and uh, things was like seeing how people are really suffering. Imagine someone who has been in the country for five years, five years, but they're still in this kind of circle. They don't even know where they are going. They yeah. cannot speak language. They cannot do uh, like, they don't even know how to take the bus and uh, anything like that. They, they can't do things themselves. So, to me, that was that was kind of uh, uh, shocking uh, mm-hmm. things. But remembering how I personally struggled by breaking this this circle, getting out of this circle, mm-hmm. so I had to work double. I had to work more than uh, a normal person must work, and uh, so that's why I decided to start Utah Valley Refugees with the main focus on educational things like. Like we don't, we don't even think of like big educational like college or anything like educational things. Like how do I take the bus? Mm-hmm. How do I do things myself? How do I do doctor's appointment myself? How do like everything we mm-hmm. do like is more educational things. Mm-hmm. So and uh, we have seen so far since 2016, we have been able to help about more than 180 family. Wow! Uh, here in the valley, and uh, and some of those people today are homeowners. Some of those people today are more. Or like uh, they are are in the military some are like we kind of open the door for them we're not helping them to come back tomorrow like uh, well I should, I'm on the radio I should be careful yeah. of what yeah. I say yeah. You're fine. Um, we, we help them to to be successful mm-hmm. and go get our. we graduate them from the program not to be coming every time we, mm-hmm. we we set up goals for them and like hey you must graduate and that's why we have people who are more uh, successful and uh, owning homes and uh, making at least $19 an hour. Wow. So things like that. So that's so, what we do.
1: So so people that are listening to this, I know within the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, about five or six years ago, I want to say, there seemed to be a greater focus on refugees. Mm-hmm. Uh, I can remember, I think it was in one of the general, general conferences where they said, yes. you know, we need to take care. You can remember what I'm talking yeah, about. Yeah, I
0: remember what you're talking about. Actually, that uh, was in 2016.
1: 16? And I know that, you know, we're a, we're a people that love to help people. Sure. Uh, and we hear something like your, your you know, what almost seems like out of a fiction book yeah. story of how you got to the United States and then what you've been able to do not only for your own family but for, as you mentioned, yeah. you know, in cooperation with almost 180 other families. And, and people are listening to this and go, oh, man, I'd love to help, but I don't have any idea – W- what I could do or what that would look like I you know maybe I'm not in a position like that South Jordan family to say hey person that needs help come live with me that that may be too much for me but I do want to help what what are things that people whether they live in Utah Valley or they live in Nebraska or they live in California if if they want to help refugees what do you think is the best way that they can actually do that
0: yes um the best way I'll start before I say how they can help I'll say the best way to help Refugees, I always have been saying, is to be their friend. Yeah. So that's the best way because sometimes we 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 are prompted of saying we need to do something with these people. We need to help them, but we don't know who they are. Mm -hmm. So when you become acquainted uh, to them, you that's how you know how how you really help them. Mm -hmm. So um, and how do you because. So not everyone is a refugee in never, of course. Sure. But how do you really know who's a refugee? Come to the organization, try to learn what the organization does and how you can meet these refugees. Hmm. So that's the best way to, to, to really help uh, a refugee or uh, an organization. So um, so what we, we do, we always in need of volunteers as an organization, we always need a volunteer. That's the best things. And sometimes it's hard based on uh, our, our organization, uh, like the size of our organization to have everything to do with everyone. But we have created a system where everyone will found uh, uh, what they can do. Mm-hmm. So if you, we, we, you can volunteer to our RFA program, like RFA program is a refugee uh, family alliance. Mm-hmm. So what that program, we will hand you, will say, okay, we give you the family for you to mentor. So, and that family become your extended family. Mm-hmm. So you can uh, also uh, join um, uh, our um, uh, like uh, health team like where you can be teaching you health. So everyone have something they can do. So I think the best way will be come to the organization, come learn how, what, what you can do. We also have volu- uh, volunteers position available on our website, uh, which is utahvalleyrefugees.org. So people can go up over there and apply. If there's nothing they can see up over there and they have a skills they can share with us, they can come also volunteer in order to further the organization, mm. especially students who are doing internship. Mm-hmm. They can come and intern with us. We have like project that they can work on and uh, things like that. Mm. So the other way is if you have a, a company where you can hire a refugee, mm. or if you have a home where you can house a refugee. So Utah Valley Refugees pays uh, fifty percent of the rent for the refugees for one year. Wow! So uh, and uh, until they can go on their own. So if you have a, a a a place where you can rent a house or or something like that, so you more than welcome to contact us. We, we always we are always in need of uh, of housing, and actually that's the main challenge. That's that's you why know, we haven't helped many people because because we cannot bring people here and let them be homeless. Mm-hmm. So we want them to come here and we have a home for them. So if that's, that would be the best uh, way to help, especially on housing uh, issues. And you shouldn't worry about how the house is going to be paid or who's going to take care of this home. Sure. We we as an organization, we are heavily involved into that. And uh, uh, that's why um, my call is to... Uh, today is my message. Today is if you really have a place, you can rent these people. They are really good renters. Mm-hmm. Uh, if or if you can hire them to work for you, they they do a good job. They don't lose jobs because they live pay, pay, paycheck to paycheck. All they care about is paying their bills, mm-hmm. so they're not gonna leave like leave the check the job. They are not like uh, people who are like oh I have these skills. I'm no longer here. I'm gonna go up over there. No, they're gonna yeah. do your job, and you're gonna be happy.
1: Do you okay? feel like people are? Um scared to help refugees or hesitant or or resistant? Because I I feel like, uh, especially within the church, but I think just as Americans, and maybe I'm placing this incorrectly, but that we sort of have a giving heart, but I just don't see us doing as much for refugees as maybe we could, and certainly as much as we should. So why do you think there's that that gap uh, there?
0: I think they are both. I think they are more... um, People are... uh are afraid of uh, um, uh, of getting out of their box mm-hmm. to learn about other people. So, but, uh, and I have noticed that, that. Um, but and, but when people get out of the box and try to learn about other people, it's time they are, they are shocked. They're like, wow, mm-hmm. I didn't know this. Why mm-hmm. was I being this? So yes, there is a lot of uh, uh, people are hesitating uh, to be open their door to refugees because they don't know them. Mm-hmm. And uh, some people are naturally, They just don't like refugees. So, uh, but however, we are seeing changes Mm -hmm. and our organization have taken a a step of educating people like, hey, Mm -hmm. refugees are human. Okay, refugees are not aliens. They are human (laughs) like us. They actually have something that can contribute. They they can be a good contributing members of this society if we can orient them, if we can guide them, if we can show them, hey, we love you. And uh, if we love you, we welcome you. And when you love someone, you open your door for them. You, yeah. So, so, and that's what we 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 are looking for is people to be open to at least to learn. We understand why people are anxious, mm-hmm. but but we want people also to learn about these people. They are, these people are really good people, mm-hmm. and uh, I think they can. Um, they, when we orient them, we they will be a good mem- contributing members of this society and we will be ne- good neighbors yeah. so we have we have had some challenges with housing however we have some good landlords i yeah. will i would like to give to thank them on, on the radio like because they have opened their door to uh, these these refugees and and I will also encourage them to talk to other because they, they know who are the owners and like, hey, actually, we have rented to these people and they know mm-hmm. uh, they know how uh, they, they, they take good care of the, our houses. So people have this unknown fear uh, because because they don't know about refugees, right. but if, if they can come and learn about refugees, that's how they will better understand how to help them. Yeah. And it's not only Utah Valley refugees. I'm even uh, reaching out to those who are in Salt Lake City. Mm-hmm. We have Catholic Community Services. We have International Rescue Committee. And uh, and refugees are everywhere. In Utah, we have more than 60,000 refugees. Wow. So if we have the more than 60,000 refugees, we can host more. You have heard our governor just say it recently that we are open to 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 receive refugees mm-hmm. so so and I think if people can be open to them uh to them and open their door and rent rent the uh, extra space they have mm-hmm. like if they have apartments they rent out, please uh reach out to us and we will be able to uh, send a refugee rent from you and we're gonna be more friends. that's how we're gonna create a beautiful Utah,
1: yeah. Yeah. So, we're
0: going to create the beautiful Utah County, like with all flowers around, around <laughs> us. Yeah. So, yeah.
1: I, I want to take another break, real quick. And when we come back, I want to talk about how you were first introduced to the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter day Saints. We'll do that coming back in the third block of the Cultural Hall. <laughs> When you need creative, affordable design, let it be Lennon Design. Call 801-699-3022 or visit Lennondesign.com. Here in the third block of the Cultural Hall, be sure that you find us on social media at all the places. You can find us at the Cultural Hall over on Twitter, on Instagram, and also on Facebook, or find us at theculturalhall.com. Leonard, uh, so coming to Salt Lake City, I have to imagine that you at some point were introduced to the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter Day Saints, what was that like?
0: Well, yeah, uh, as I said before, I was born a Christian, and um, um, I didn't know much about the LDS Church, and um, uh, but when I was I came here, I was looking for the church that um, values my uh, my belief, and uh, uh, as well as uh, the church that understands the importance of uh, charity. Mm-hmm. And um, because that's how all my life has been into charity, uh, inheriting that from my mother, uh, who used to just pick up children and feed them. <laughs> um, so I was looking something like that. And I, I had friends who took me to different churches, uh, Pentecostal churches, Catholic churches, but I didn't found my values over there, I didn't find myself over there. And uh, I start uh, like going to, like uh, like staying home, not going anywhere or church. And then uh, when I become homeless, that's the time actually I was introduced to the church. And, uh, and uh, I went to the church the first time, the earliest church, I wasn't baptized at the time, but uh, they sang my favorite song. What song is that? Okay, I can sing to yes, you in please. Swahili, not in yeah, English. No, please, right? <laughs> please do. Bwana mungu na shanga kabisa Nikifikiri gisi ulivyo Nyota nuru na vitu vyote pia Viumbwa vyoko kwa uwezo wako Roho yangu naiku imbie I think you know what song is that, right? Yeah, yeah. Okay, so so I think you're hearing the sound, you can tell. So that was the song, the song, they sang, first of all. Wow. That was my favorite song. And then the second, um, the the, the second thing is what brought my attention was, like, the, the the, the bishop or the first counselor or whoever is moderating will come and welcome people. They're going to have a prayer, they're going to sing, they're going to uh, take sacrament, and then after the sacrament, we're going to uh, just uh, have a first speaker, and then a second speaker, and then a third, and the concluding speaker, mm-hmm. uh, a remark, and all the things. And that's exactly the church I grew up in. <laughs> exactly that's how it was and he pushed me back and i'm like no that's how exactly because i grew up in this kind of not moderate church pentecostal uh church in, uh, back in the village like you still following everything and thing like that mm-hmm. and exactly that was exactly what it was and i'm like this is where i belong huh. i felt the sense of belonging there's a time i just start talking to missionaries and uh, and uh that's how i just end by getting baptized by those family, a friend of mine, who took me in their house and wow. uh, in South Jordan, and uh, however I was baptized in Provo, hmm. so which is uh, it was a blessing for me. That's how I joined the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints.
1: So I have to ask you too, with the announcement of the temple in the Democratic Republic of Congo, what does that mean for you?
0: Oh, it means a lot actually. To now, I think, uh, so yeah. which is is it's good. It's a it's a blessing. Uh, it's a blessing. Congo. That's what Congo need. Uh, even if Congo is a Christian country, but Congo still have a lot of problems that they need to understand. They hear from the, the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints uh, 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 side as well. And I think the church is growing like crazy up over there. Yeah. And because people have found the same value I found in the church, people are finding the same, the same values as well. So, yeah, the church is, is, is growing, and I'm so grateful we're building temples up over there.
1: Is there an opportunity for you to go back there? Obviously, with kind of the past that you have, I don't know that you would want to, but would you want to and can you?
0: Well, uh, I, I, I am open uh, to any opportunity, uh-huh. and I always say there will be only one opportunity will take me over there if there is opportunity to help people. So that's, 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 that's the opportunity will take me over there. So if there's an opportunity to go help people, yes, I will be happy to even go tomorrow. Mm-hmm. But I want to go help people over there. Uh, that's my mission. I believe that God um, guided me, God blessed me with a mission of helping others. And I think it's time for me to start looking on how can I really help people I'll probably give back to my community mm-hmm. that didn't give up on me no matter what situation I was in, uh, in in Congo. Yes, I would love to.
1: If someone is listening to this and 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 really sort of feeling like they need that instruction from God, right, to be led or guided, uh, you know, maybe they feel like they're wandering a little bit and, and need that insight. How do you connect and know that what you're doing is what God wants you to do?
0: Well, uh, um, so for my, myself, the way I know um, what God wants me to do is, is I keep feeling it. I keep feeling a prompt, prom, prompt, prompt, keep being prompted every time. Like, like, hey, Leonard, I think you need to do this because for me, if, when things comes to me twice, that means it's God's voice. Mm-hmm. So, and that's how I always do it. But sometimes uh, in our lives, we, we intend by ignoring that small voice. It's a very small voice, and, but keep coming to you and bothering you. And that's how I always do. And when, I, when that voice comes to me, I always pray. and mm-hmm. like, God, if this is your really voice, guide me. Help me. Do this. And that's how I always do things. So just like tell me if this is your voice, and you want me to go save, save your mission in Congo, go. Mm-hmm. you want me to go your, to help people up over there, mm-hmm. bring the opportunity.
1: Yeah.
0: And that's how I always tell God. Right? And, then you, so, just,
1: and yeah. then you just do it.
0: Just do it. <laughs> just do it. Yeah, my wife tells me that do not fear the unknown. Yeah. Okay, because my wife thinks that's my, sometimes also that blocks me. Like, it's like Hey, don't fear the unknown. Mm-hmm. If you feel doing something, just do it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's how blessed I am. And anytime I do it, I see the fruits.
1: Awesome. Yeah. Uh, There are three questions that we ask everyone who steps into the cultural hall, so I'll ask those of you now as we sort of wrap this out. Uh, The first question is, is do you have a calling right now? And if so, what is it?
0: Yes, I do have a calling. Um, um, It's not a church calling right Uh, now. Uh, Okay. My calling is to help people. My calling is to serve at Utah Valley Refugees and helping refugees. That's my calling uh, right now, to help people, um, love people, and guide them in their life. That's my calling.
1: The, the final question that we ask everyone, and I ask you to interpret it however you would like, but the question is, what is your favorite part of your faith?
0: My favorite part of my faith? Mm-hmm. Wow. Hmm. Uh, so my favorite part of my faith is, is being able to have a, place, a safe place for me to worship, hmm. to pray freely, okay. So where I can express to my God without worrying about about uh, being shot or being like something happens. Wow. So that's that's my freedom in one word. So that's my favorite. Look, I, I feel like there is no reason why I shouldn't I shouldn't praise God while I'm in America today. Yeah. Uh, there's no reason why I should be not close to God um, while I'm in America because I'm free have freedom, I have peace, I have everything. Yeah. And I think that's my f- my, my favorite part of um, my faith right now.
1: I appreciate you being here and uh, sharing your story. If people want to get more information, they can go to Utah Valley Refugees, uh, dot. O R G. If you want to uh, volunteer, if you're in the area, or maybe I know that uh, Leonard and his organization certainly will take donations. If you want to throw that that way, or if you yes. know people that are looking to host other people, it's Utah Valley Refugees. Uh, Leonard Bagalwa, thank you for being here in the Cultural Hall. I hope that it's nourished and strengthened your body. That if you're not healthy enough to listen this week, that you'll be healthy enough to listen next week, and that when the time comes, you'll be able to travel home in safety. In the meantime, Rick McGee, Debbie Wanless, and Chocolate Cake Bites podcast will be saving a seat for you. On the back row of the Cultural Hall. Thank you, richie Save me a seat. It's sure to be neat. On the back row, we really got to go on the Cultural Hall show.